Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today by his word. God bless. I just want to wish all of you a happy Father's Day. And uh, I just, I want to read something to you, very personal. And uh, let's see if I can pull it up quick. I've, Julie and I have the pleasure of being grandparents. Our, yeah. So May 6th, uh, little Ophelia came to this world, and there is something about new life. And I just thank God for the life that we have in him. But I, I want to read a little note that uh, we sent to, that Julie and I sent to Brandon. And um, Julia said, Dave, here, can you write something? And at first it was like, what am I going to write? But uh, so I wrote something. And I, I, this is for every single father here. And also for those that will be fathers. And for every young man and even boy, should the Lord tarry, that we can be spiritual fathers, that we can lead others to Christ to be born of God. And so even if you're not married, just say, hey, I'm, I want to be a spiritual father to lead others to life in Jesus Christ. Amen. So, yeah. So let me just read what, uh, and this is for all of you fathers, I say to you as well as I said to Brandon, from one father to another. One of the greatest things we can give to our child, especially a daughter, is our love to them. Love your daughter in hugs and kisses, good and godly words, with quality time, with gifts given in affection, and doing things because you truly love her. However, the greatest thing a father can give to his child is to show by example and share with them how they can love the Lord your God with all their heart. It is only then that you will be able to spend time here on earth with Ophelia in the enjoyment of the fullness of life that only Christ can give, knowing this. This is only the beginning of an eternity you will have together with her in the majesty and glory of your heavenly Father. Your heavenly Father has entrusted you with a beautiful little girl. Hold her tightly recognizing that she allows every day to be Father's Day. Happy Father's Day for Brandon. Yeah. Today, today is special on Father's Day. I, I think this is the first time this has happened uh, ever that I can remember uh, that uh, we have a baptismal service on Father's Day. And uh, the amazing thing is this that today uh, we're going to have, and once again, for the first time, not just on Father's Day, but for the first time ever, we will have a father and son being baptized together. <laughs> Praise God. However, before, uh, I just want to give a few quick announcements that uh, you need to, to know. This Saturday, we have... Uh, membership seminar uh, happening here at the church at 9.15. If you're thinking of becoming a member here, you've been coming, or you just want to know more about the church, 
come for this seminar. There's going to be uh, lunch afterwards. And uh, there's no obligation for the membership seminar to say, hey, I, I'm, I have to become a member. But it's more so to get to know what this church is all about and who we are. And uh, so that's happening. There's a sign-up in the foyer. Make sure you sign up. And one last announcement I want to give today is that uh, next Sunday, listen up carefully. Next Sunday, weather permitting, we will be at Cummington Square. Just at This is Main Street in front of the church here. And if you head towards our little town center, uh, we'll be at Cummington Square. You need to bring lawn chairs. And uh, thank God there's big trees there. We can sit in the shade. And, or if it's cooler, we can sit out in the sun. And so that's happening next week, 10 o'clock. Uh, and uh, so I'm looking forward. This is the first outdoor service we've had probably in about four or five years uh, because of the last few years and, and not being able to gather together. Uh, but it's been really good that we can get together. Following that, there's going to be a picnic at Lions Park. And uh, at this point, I would say, uh, if Julie is out there, Julie, are we, did you talk to Sue about whether we're doing, no, okay. You know what, Andrew, I, and I'm doing a little bit of housekeeping right now. Uh, could we bring barbecues or are we just going to do a picnic? What's that? Okay, so bring your own food. And so we're, the barbecues won't be available. So just bring sandwiches, whatever. We're going to have a picnic. There's going to be games for the kids. I'm looking forward to that. Even uh, for the adults, young adults, and even teens, uh, children, uh, we're going to be playing some baseball. So bring your baseball gloves. And uh, so that's at Lions Park, which is, this is Welland Street coming off behind us. And just heading down Welland Street about three, four blocks is Lions Park. It runs parallel to Main Street here. Come on out after the service. Uh, we'll meet up there and uh, enjoy a time together. There is going to be opportunity for the kids. I think the, uh, the water park is going to be uh, open. I think they have a pool running as well. I think the, the, uh, the pool will be open. Don't quote me on it, but be prepared for it. We'll see if we can get some announcements for that and see if it is open. Um, all right. Praise God. So good. So good. I uh, don't know if I'm dismissing the children. Yes, okay, I'm dismissing the children. And maybe uh, for those that are kids are getting baptized, stay here with me. And uh, also for the uh, Sunday school teachers, perhaps you can join us during the baptism if you'd like. All right? Praise the Lord. Um. What is happening today is part of what Jesus called us to do 2,000 years ago. He says, I want you to go out to all the nations, and I want you to make disciples. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them all things that I've commanded you. I want you to know that I will be with you right to the end of the age. This was spoken 2,000 years ago, almost 2,000 years ago, just before Jesus left this planet 
And um, so we are being obedient to that command that he gave 2,000 years ago. And today, one of the things that I had to clarify, and I want to clarify, because sometimes there's the idea that when we get baptized in water, it's the baptism that saves us. I want you to know clearly that water baptism is a, is a public confession and sign of something that has happened to you before you get baptized. So water baptism does not save any single person, but is a public confession of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. As we go down into the water, it's like Jesus going to the cross. And even as he suffered and he died for us on that cross 2,000 years ago, there was a moment from between 3 o'clock, or sorry, 9 o'clock in the morning when he was nailed to the cross and he was raised up and he hung between heaven and earth. He became the single, it became the single most important event in all of time. Because those that were before this moment of time were looking forward to it, not understanding the fullness of it. They did not have what we, and did not know and understand what we know today looking back. But it is definitely the single most important event because it allows us to come into the kingdom of God. And so as we have water baptism, it is like as we go in with Jesus, we are going, we are being remembering what he did for us in going to the cross. And even as we go under the water, even as Jesus died on the cross at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, six hours he hung on the cross by those nails. And he was buried and on the third day, he rose again, overcoming death, overcoming hell, and overcoming the, the power and dominion of sin to destroy us. He overcame it all. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way. Today, we have three children getting baptized. And, yeah. And, uh, Abigail, how old are you? Seven years of age. The youngest is seven years of age. And you might say, can children get baptized? Can children get saved? I want to read a passage because three of the five that are getting, sa are getting baptized today were saved before. And in fact, let me just say this as a little note. The youngest, seven-year-old, was saved the first of all five that are getting baptized today. And the oldest, I don't know how old uh, he is, uh, yeah, but uh, is much older than Abigail, I'll have you know. But yet Abigail was born of God at a very young age, and I'll share a little bit more about that. But let me just share a scripture. 
It says in Mark 10, 13, verse 16, and it's regarding a child entering the kingdom of God. And it says that they brought the little children to him that he might touch them to bless them. But the disciples rebu rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for, uh, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms and laid his hands on them and blessed them. Let me read this again. He says, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. May I say this? I have, over the years, had opportunity to speak to the young and to the old. But to the very young, they are the easiest to come into the kingdom of God. I'm going to be sharing a little bit about this as well. A little incident that happened uh, here last year. And it was with a whole group. There's almost 30, if not more, children that were there on that particular day. And there was a response to Jesus and who Jesus was to them. And I've had times to, op not just with a whole group, but I've had times to talk to adults who are supposedly so much wiser, have so much knowledge, and yet I could spend hours with them talking about Jesus. And I've spent hours at times talking to people about Jesus, even one-on-one, -on -one, no distractions, nothing. And they struggled with coming into the kingdom of God to the point where they said, no, nah, I, I, I don't think so. What is it about a child... That Jesus would say, I want, unless you come like this, unless you are like this, you will not be able to enter the kingdom of God. I'll tell you what it is. The thing about a child is this. When you speak truth to them, and I, God forbid that you would never speak truth to your child, but always you would speak truth. But a child, especially with his mom or dad, as mom or dad would speak truth to their child, it does not take much to say, do you want Jesus in your life? And immediately, they say, yes. My wife and I, we led all three of our children to the Lord in our living room on the couch. And they were all children. The youngest one was six. Or was it four? <laughs> Jacqueline, how old were you? Four. Four years of age. Just by hearing the truth of who Jesus is. Do you want to have Jesus in your life? Do you want to, to have him come into your life? Yes. There's no hesitation. I believe. I believe. There's a faith there. Hallelujah. I hear, did I hear someone say, I believe? How old is that little? He's two years old. I believe. Hallelujah. 
Let me just say this. I don't, I don't know if I've met, have I met you guys before? No, first time here. Hey, this, this was not scripted. <laughs> Hallelujah. Unless we become as a little child, we will by no means enter in. It is by faith, by believing, and a child can believe. And a child believes in what can bring life. And that's where I, when I was a child, seven years of age, I gave my life to Jesus. It is the most important thing that I have ever done in my life, by far. Because it has impacted every stage of my life. Hallelujah. In Mark 1, verse 14 and 15, what is it about a child, a little child we need to have? It is faith to believe on Jesus to come into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the most powerful thing on this side of heaven. By far. By far. And Jesus talks about the kingdom when he began his ministry at 30 years of age. He, was only, he only ministered for three and a half years. And Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel or the good news of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Two things, repent and believe in the gospel. You want to come into the kingdom of God, repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. How does the kingdom of God look like here on this earth? I'll tell you how the kingdom of God looks. It looks like this. As I look across this crowd here today, from every tribe, from every tongue, from every people, from every nation, doesn't matter your background or not, does not matter your, your societal and economical standing, but from every groupings of people. I have people here from Nigeria. I have he here people from Colombia. I have people here from Honduras. Honduras. Yeah, Honduras. Is there anybody here from other nations? El Salvador. Sorry. Sorry, from where? The Philippines. Yeah. Yes, where are you from? The Azores. Yes. Anybody else here from an another tribe or tongue? Yeah. Sorry? In Sicily. Yes. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Yes. From Chile. Welcome you... Is it Gonzalez or Gonzalez? Gonzalo. Gonzalo from Chile. It's your first time here today, isn't it? Yes. Good. Let's give him a big welcome. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was born here in Canada, but my parents, my mom and dad were born in Germany. And when I was two, three, four, I did not speak English. I only spoke German was very hard when I went to kindergarten. But it doesn't matter what tribe, what tongue, what nation, what people group we're from. In Jesus Christ, there is a glorifying of him. Hallelujah. We are family of God. Hallelujah. 
You might say, what plans does God have for us as we give our lives, as we believe and we enter into that kingdom of God? It says in Ephesians 2 verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, for good actions, for good steps to be done, a good walk, a good life in him, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want you to know that God has a plan for you. doesn't matter what your background. He has a plan that's specific to you. Hallelujah. And it is a good plan because he does good things. Praise God. How can I walk in what God has for me? In Hebrews 13, listen to this. And this is the plan that God has for you and how it comes about. The how it comes about is the beginning of this verse here. It says, now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead. So this God of peace, our Heavenly Father, who brought up his son Jesus from the dead. Jesus being that great shepherd of the sheep. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. You know what? We sign legal documents and we put our signature. If it was today, it would be June 18th in the year of our Lord, 2023. And usually there's a witness and there's a signing of those that are involved with the, the contract or the covenant. But I'll tell you right now, the covenant that God made for, with us to have life on this side of heaven and for all eternity was signed and given in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And the second verse, Hebrews 13, 21, says what he has for you as an individual. It says, to make you complete in every good work, to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So be it. Amen. Let it be. Let it come to pass. You might say, you know what? What about the difficulties that I might run through or, or experience as a believer? And I'll tell you right now, you will. Every single one of us. In the last year or so, I've been saying again and again, you know what? We can do life with Jesus, with God. Or without him. There's one of two things. I can do life with God or I can do without him. And here's what God says to us. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. <laughs> Hallelujah. You might say, how can that even work? How does that work? And it is through God the Father, it is through His Son Jesus Christ, and it is by the Holy Spirit. This unity between the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And listen, I'm going to be reading a number of scriptures as I always do, because who cares about what I might think or my opinion on it. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it is nothing. So I don't want to give my opinion. I want to back up every single word that I would say with the word of God. 
Hallelujah. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, this is for the believer, and for those that are not believers, this is for you as well to grab a hold of. Because you, one of the biggest things is, can I be right before God? Can I be in the right place before God? You might say, you know what? There was, there was many years of my life where I beat myself up because I was trying so hard to be right before God in my own wisdom, in my own strength, in my own power to be a good person, even as a Christian. And so my faith had shifted off what, what saves and had shifted back to me trying to be a good person. I'll tell you, there were times where I'd beat myself up for two or three weeks because I'd slipped and fallen. It says right here, Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith. You might say, what does justified mean? It means to be in right standing with God. So Abby, I'm sure you're a good daughter. I would say most of the time. Most of the time. Little Abigail, I would say you're a good daughter. Most of the time, we had a little chat about that just a week and a half ago, and I, we won't, I won't share anything with anybody else here. <laughs> but I understand that even as a child, I am not good enough. And even as adults, you know, as an adult, you know, man, do I mess up on a regular basis. But we can be justified. That means justified means to be in right standing before God. To be as I ought to be before God. And how can that happen? Having been justified by faith. And we'll see what it is. What faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our faith needs to be in Him, in Jesus Christ. Through whom we also whom also we have access by faith, there it is again, into this grace, this unmerited favor in which we stand. It's like, oh man, I don't deserve this, but Lord, you give me favor. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I, man, I cannot wait to see you. Because I am in right standing, not because of how good I am, but because of how good Jesus was. He was perfect. He never sinned. And so my righteousness is not in myself, but it is... Abby, your righteousness is in Jesus Christ. So even when you mess up, Jesus, you say, my faith is in him. Jesus, yeah, forgive me, but my faith is in you. And I know that I'm in right standing because my faith is in you and what you did for me 2,000 years ago on the cross. It says, and not only that. Now listen, this is us having to go through life with all the difficulties of life. And not only that. So not only do we have grace and a hope. But we also glory or boast in tribulations, even when we would face tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. So even the difficult times produce perseverance that I will get through it. I will get through this because I'm not alone. The Lord is with me. And 
Perseverance, character. Not only will I persevere, but I will have character. I will be becoming more like Jesus in who I am, in my nature, in my personality, in the traits that I have, even in the difficult times. Hallelujah. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character, and character, hope. I'm going to get through this. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us as a child of God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit mentioned here for every moment of our lives and especially the worst of times, the most difficult of times, the Lord is with us. Hallelujah. How much does God love you? It says in Ephesians 3, verse 14, it's a prayer inspired by the Holy Spirit. All Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so this prayer is from God for us. And Paul writes of this to the Ephesians, the Christians in this city of Ephesus. city still exists to this day. You can go there. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The family of God in heaven and on earth. Those that have gone before us, those that are still here right now. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. He strengthens us. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, by faith, like a little child. I believe that you, may, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, not fear, not A, if you don't do this, but in love, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the width, the length, or sorry, the width, the width, <laughs> the length, the depth, and the height. Let me get that again. The width, or this way, the length, the depth, and the height. I love it. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge beyond your understanding that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, rooted in the love of Jesus Christ and just filled with the fullness of God. I just say thank you for the life that I have in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let's give him praise this, this afternoon, this morning. Hallelujah. Listen to this. This is for us. Now to him, and this is the prayer that the Holy Spirit has inspired Paul to write, and he's saying, you can bank this. You can depend on this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let it be. Amen means let it be. Make it so, God. I'm in agreement with this. Let it happen in my life. Let, that I would know the love of Jesus that goes so far. In Romans 5, verse 6, listen how much God loves you. And today, if you're here and you just say, I know about Jesus, but he's not really a part of my life. 
Not like you're saying, Pastor. Listen to what it says. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. At the right time, Jesus died for the ungodly, for those that were trying to be good, but they couldn't be good. As much as they try, I want to be a good person. And Jesus died for you, even when you were not there yet. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. You might die for a righteous person. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. You might die for somebody that was good. But God demonstrates his love, his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, we didn't have to earn anything. We couldn't earn anything. We're just not good enough. And while we were yet sinners, Jesus took all our sins upon himself and he died for us. Much more than having been justified, made right in God's eyes, in his standing. How? By his blood. We'll talk about this once we, when we go through baptism. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, not when he scraped his knee, when he was a little boy, but when he hung on the cross, he came from heaven, he existed before time began, and he humbled himself and he came in the form of man, even a baby. And he was on this earth for 33 years. But when his blood was shed on that cross, something happened. And we are justified. We are made right in God's standing. That we shall be saved from wrath through him. That we're going to be with God forever. For if when we were enemies, not just sinners, but we were deliberately against God, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled. Reconciliation is to have relationship. I love it. I have a relationship with God, my Father in heaven, with his Son who died for me, and the Holy Spirit that resides within me. I have relationship. It is so good. I say, thank you, Jesus. I've been reconciled to you. I've been, I have relationship. It says we shall be saved by his life, by Jesus' life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation, the relationship that we have. It is through Jesus Christ. This is the word of God. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I've got a lot more stuff that's still ahead of us, and I'm going to just leave that. Let me just skim. The kingdom of God here on earth was established. Jesus, when he began his ministry, he called a few individuals. Twelve he called. And three and a half years later, after his death and resurrection, before, even as he left this planet, there was 120 Ten times the amount. Say, I, I thought there might have been more. Who knows? But we know that there were 120 that, that said, we're going to wait 
until the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And on, in Acts chapter 2, we can read of the, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit back then, the very first time. And it's for today as well. The, the power of the Holy Spirit, not just to have the Spirit in us, but to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The amazing thing is, in one day, 3,000 people were added to the church. And it went from, you know, maybe one out of 2.5 million people. They say there was about 500 million on the planet at that time, 500 million people. One out of 2.5 million were believers at that time, the early church. Today, most, and let me just say this, most believers are not in countries that are well off and life is easy and good. Most believers live in countries where it'll cost them their life if they are known to be followers of Jesus Christ. To the point that they estimate in China alone that is against those that would be followers of Jesus. They estimate there's somewhere between 150 to 250 million believers. And most of them, they call it the underground church. You go to the, the, the countries that persecute believers, Christians, followers of Jesus the most, and you will find the highest concentration of believers in those countries. And God is moving. I could not believe some of the things that I heard about these, these lands of persecution coming against followers of Jesus. And the number of people that are getting saved even today in those lands. You say, well, why would anybody follow Jesus if it could cost them their life? Because they recognize the reality and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ to the point where at this, at this time, there is probably somewhere between one out of ten individuals. I'm not talking about being religious, but I'm talking about being a born-again believer of Jesus Christ. One out of ten on this planet, if not one out of nine or one out of eight on this planet, are followers of Jesus Christ. I would say in Canada, that number or that fraction is really not even, maybe one in a hundred in Canada, most are not followers of Jesus Christ. We've got a work to do yet before he comes back to let others know about Jesus. Jesus is coming back soon. And I, like I say, I could go after scripture after scripture to say that Jesus is coming back soon. According to prophetic word, what it was prophesied, how it would be in the last days before he comes. It's like, thank you, Jesus, for the word that you gave of how it's going to be. I truly believe that I will not see death in my life, neither will most of you here. As believers, as believers, that you will see the coming of the Lord before in, in our lifetime. I believe that we are the last generation or generations that are, are alive before His coming. So, just quickly, and we're going to get ready. If I could have...
those that are getting baptized. If I could have you sort of sitting, you're already in the front there, Abby, Abigail, you can stay there. If I could have the rest just come into the front seat here. Maybe you might have to move a few items there. Uh, but you're good, Abby, right where you are. And you're good there. So if I could have David and Michelangelo and Jay. If you have to, you can sit in that front left seat, but just join Abigail there. You might say, how do I make it? He says, this is Paul writing Romans 1.16. He says, for I am not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Here's that thing of believing again. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. You might say, why, why is the Jew and the Greek mentioned here? The Jew was the most religious grouping of people at that time. And they depended on the law that was given. And they missed a huge section of the law. There are 613 commandments in the Old Testament. And they focused in on the commandments of keeping the law rather than on what was there when we broke the law. And their faith was in the keeping of the law. You and I know all of us have broken the law. Even in this land, how many times do we break the law when the, the speed limit is 50 kilometers and we're going over 50 kilometers, eh? The other day it was like, oops. I just passed a, a police officer on the side. And I looked down, oh my goodness, I'm going 65 in a 50. And I look in my rearview mirror, just praying, God, you know, make sure he's, he's not coming. And it's like, thank you, Jesus. There must have been a few others that were going a little bit faster than I am. Or he was just saying, hey, you're not going fast enough. I, I, I'm giving you some grace and mercy. We've all broken the law. We can't keep the law. Even God's law, we cannot keep. Even Ten Commandments. Look, forget the six, other 603. We've all broken probably every single one of the Ten Commandments. We can't do it that way. It is the gospel or the, it is first for the Jew first that we're trying to get to heaven by the law that God had given. The law is good. It just points out that we can't keep it. There's got to be another way. And there was even back then with the sacrifices that all pointed to one sacrifice in Jesus Christ. You might say, why is the Greek mentioned? The power, the superpower at that time, 2,000 years ago, were the Romans. And the Romans, who had overcome the Greeks, were saying, man, those Greeks, do they've got it together intellectually and philosophically? Man, are they wise. We will grab a hold of the Greek philosophies and intellectualism. So for the one that is religious and for the one that is, thinks they've got it all together is what God is saying. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for you. It is for you. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just, those that are right, the just, those that are right before God, shall live by faith. Faith in what? In the good news of Jesus Christ. In the gospel of Jesus Christ. I say, thank you, Jesus. What a wonderful way 
to live. I am in right standing before you. Every single day of my life, not because of me, but because of him, his righteousness. Hallelujah. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.